I've been struggling and frustrated and concerned and bothered and upset and anxious about trying to find that perfect gift for that, I was going to say for that perfect somebody, but that's not necessarily the case. I've been frustrated trying to find a gift. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to get someone, a, like, a, you know, they've got these uni, unisex everything, you know, unisex clothes or unisex whatever, to be able to have a gift that would be applicable to everybody. Wouldn't that be great? Think... Great, great, great. Yeah, what is it? Think lint brush. No, I don't know. I just I thought I'd throw that out. But um, it'd be great to come up with a gift. And I don't know if you recognize this fact or not, but every one of us here are given a gift each day. doesn't matter whether we are penniless or whether the richest person on earth. doesn't matter whether we have an education or not, whether you're young or older. Uh, it really doesn't make much difference whether you're uh, an adolescent who's in school or the president of the United States. Every person has been given a gift today. Every one of us. And every one of us has been given the gift of time. You know, it's amazing how often we take things for granted that uh, seemingly, you know, we think we have some control over. But whether you realize it or not, the fact that you have this day is a gift. And it's a perfect gift when you come right down to it because it really doesn't matter who you are, what you're doing, what you do have or don't have, you have been given a gift. And it's God's way, it's a kind of the great equalization gift. It's God's way of saying, hey, look, you know what? If I choose, you've got another 24 hours. You have the same 24 hours that I do, that Al does, that anybody else in this room does. You all have the same gift. I've given you another 24 hours if I so choose to do that. It's a great gift. It's kind of like the perfect gift. For each one of us and as we wrestle with this whole this whole concept or subject of time it gets pretty frustrating and uh, something that we need to take into consideration of what is time and uh, by sheer definition sometimes when when the, you know I'm trying to teach this to my kids you know when you can't come up with something on your own there's like things called like dictionaries and reference material <laughs> that you might want to turn to every now and then so it's like if you have to define time hey if you can't do it on your own then you open a dictionary and it says time is a stretch of duration in which things happen alright that's pretty good so it really doesn't matter what, what you know the point is that it's a, a stretch of duration in which in between these two points there are a lot of things that can happen right we all agree with that. So as we go through this, the Bible has a lot to say about time. I don't know if you've ever stopped to think about it or read what God has to say about time. But it says, but when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. In Galatians 4.4, we see that it was God's time. And I want you to notice, everything the Bible says about time, God has control over it. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son. The fullness of time. Well, who chose the time? God. See, many of us would debate on whether that was the proper time or not. In fact, there was a musical not too long ago called Jesus Christ Superstar. And one of the songs within that musical asked the question, Israel in 4 BC had no mass communication. I mean, why in the world, Jesus, did you choose such a time to come back? I mean, there was no TV. There was no media. You couldn't be interviewed. You couldn't be put on, on uh, CNN. I mean, if you would have chose now, boy, we could have got, you could have been all over the place quick. See, man's reasoning again. But you know what God says? When the fullness of time came, it was God's perfect timing. He chose to do what He did when He wanted to do it. That's not the only place. You go through it. All through the Bible, Jesus was preaching to the crowds. He said, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. What time? The time that God had promised to the nation of Israel. The time when He'd send forth His Savior into the world to save the world from their sins. What time was it? It was the fullness of time. It was the time that was to be fulfilled. It was God's timing 
and Jesus preached it to the crowds. So as you go through all the different points in the Bible, Jesus at one point said, my time is not yet at hand. What time? The time where he would be killed, where he'd be crucified and offer up his life as a ransom for many. He said, my time's not right now. It's not the right time. You know what he said later, though, on the cross? We can all stop for a minute. Let's all watch. You know, I just want to let you know, if you're going to do it, I'm allowed to do it. So I'm just going to, I'm going to stop and do it. And if it doesn't bother you, it won't bother me. You ever stop to think, I don't know if you think about it or not. I know individually you do things and you don't really think about the, the ramifications of it. But it's like one person turns their head and everybody in a row thinks they're going to miss something. So they all turn their head and everybody's doing this. And it's like, well, I think I'm going to miss something too. And I'm afraid you're going to miss what I'm about to say. So we'll all wait together. What do you think? Is that a fair thing? That's all right. Anyway, that's okay. Good. Thank you very much. Oh, can you believe he did that? And I even have a, you know what, and, and I even have a portable mic, and I don't have to worry about how long the cord stretches, but one day I'm just going to walk down the alley here and start smacking you upside your head. <laughs> but I'll make sure it's the proper time. <laughs> at just the right time, he smacked me on the side of the head. But later on, Jesus said, my time is at hand. I want you to just notice that because it's important as we discuss this whole subject of time that everything that God says happens at the right time. Jesus said, my time's not ready. It's not now. It's not here. Later on, you know what he said? It is the time. It's the perfect time. We need to understand that because God is in control of time. In Ecclesiastes 3, Solomon stopped for long enough. He took some time to think about time. And if you've got your Bibles, open with me, and we'll take a look at it together and, and discuss this whole subject of time because God isn't subject to time. God is in control of time, and I want you to understand something. I'm going to discuss some things that have taken place this past week, but I'll give you an example of something that the world looks at and says, this is a tragedy we don't understand, and it's really bothering us. And it was a conversation I had with our youngest daughter, and anybody in this area who's been up on the news recently heard about the young girl who was shot to death at the City of Orange shopping mall. Okay? If you hadn't heard it, now you do. Uh, 12 years old, uh, another kid, 12 years old, boy, playing with a gun, messing around, end up shooting this gal, and she died. Okay, I want you to stop and think about something for a moment, because my daughter really illustrated it to me quite well this week. When we were, we were driving by there, and she said, boy, you know, I don't think I ever want to go to that mall again. She's seven years old. I said, why? Well, that's where that girl got killed. I said, okay, but why would you be afraid to go there? And we started to talk a little bit about what Solomon's trying to get across to us. And I want you to stop and think about something as we share with one another. Why did this happen? How can such a thing happen? What a tragedy that it took place. So-and-so's sick. So-and-so's in a hospital. It's, you know, I don't understand any of this. I don't know why these things happen. You know what? I, I want you to stop and think about it because God has a lot to say about why they happen. Why do these things happen? Are there answers to those questions? You better believe there's answers to those questions. Can it change our perspective and the way we live our lives and the way that we view things? <laughs> Absolutely without a question. Because by the time I was done talking to my daughter, she no longer had a fear about going back to the mall, but she understood something that a lot of us don't understand, and that is God is not subject to time. God is not subject or a victim of events. God is responsible he takes, uh, he takes the responsibility, whether you want to give him the credit or whether you want to blame him, he takes all that burden upon himself because God is responsible for every event that happens under the sun. 
Now, I know some of you are sitting there going, no, no. There's no way that God is responsible for the life of a young girl being stamped out when it was. And I'm going to tell you that he is. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, listen to this. There's an appointed time for everything. There is an appointed time for everything. Don't, don't blow by it. Don't, don't go too, past it too quickly. I want you to stop and just let that sink in for a minute. There is an appointed time for everything. Really? You mean we can stop right now and understand that there was an appointed time for that to took place at the mall? That it wasn't an accident? That it wasn't something that nobody had control over? That it was something that even caught God off guard? That he was surprised by what took place? Let me just tell you something. God wasn't surprised by what happened. Were we surprised? Are we shocked? Do we question the timing? You better believe it. We always do. But the point is that there was an appointed time for everything. God isn't caught off guard by that. There is an appointed time for everything. He goes on and says, and there is a time for every event under heaven. There's a time to give birth, a time to die. There's a time to plant and a time to uproot what's planted. A time to heal and a time to a kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw stones. A time to gather stones. And a time to embrace and a time to shun embracing. A time to search and a time to give up as lost. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear apart and a time to sew together. A time to be silent and a time to speak. Time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Then what profit is there to the worker from that in which he toils? I've seen the task which God has given the sons of men with which to occupy themselves. He has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also set eternity in their heart, yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and do good in one's lifetime. Moreover, that every man who eats and drinks sees good in all his labor, for it is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will remain forever. There's nothing to add to it and there's nothing to take away from it. For God has so worked that men should fear him. That which has been, that which has been already and that which will be has already been, for God seeks what is past. Furthermore, I've seen under the sun that in the place of justice there is wickedness, and in the place of righteousness there is also wickedness. But I said to myself, God will judge both the righteous man and the wicked man for a time for every matter and for every deed that there is. Solomon, as he continues to think about this whole subject of time, something that we speak about on a pretty regular basis, had to deal with some realities that he is trying to get across to us and that God has inspired him to write. And that is that God is not subject to time. God is not a victim of time. God is in control of every event that you can imagine under the, under the, on the face of this earth, under the sun. God is in control. God, is, God has got it together. God's got his perfect timing. When the fullness of time came, my time is not yet at hand. My time now is at hand. God has time and uses time for his purposes and for his benefit. And if we don't perceive it that way, then we become the victim of time. And it's a matter of how we're going to look at life. If you think you have control over your own destiny and you think you have control over time, then you are going to look at life in that vantage, way, in vantage point. But if you believe that God is in control of time, that he's the author and the perfecter of everything that occurs in, within the time or this duration of period in which things happen, then you begin to look at life totally differently. So as we're looking at this, we began to take a look at five biblical truths about God and his relationship to time. 
the bottom line is that what Solomon's trying to teach us in this particular passage is not about the events that we're reading about and we're looking at and we're trying to figure out, but he uses the events of life as he, as he views a cross-section of everything. And he said, you know what? Everything happens for a purpose and for a reason. And even something as tragic as what happened at the, at the city mall in Orange, the death of a young girl, it is an event that takes place in life, and it won't be the last time that we read about it or see such a thing happen. All you've got to do is pick up your newspapers every day, and there are people who are dying, there are people being born, and the questions that we raise is, what in the world is going on? So we're struggling with that, and yet Solomon wants us to see from this passage the truth about God and His relationship to time. And I'll tell you right now, and I'll challenge you as you go through it, if you've asked the question, why did that happen, and you don't have a good answer for it, then you don't understand what Solomon's trying to teach you. And if you leave here with a new understanding of that, I'll guarantee that every event that happens from now on will change the way that you look at it. God and his relationship to time. It becomes very clear as we take a look at this, what this passage is suggesting. And you look at those, eight, those seven verses that give you all the different events, and you go through it, and you'll see that there are 14, uh, there actually there are 28 events. 14 of them are positive, 14 of them are negative, and if you kind of subtract the negative from the positive, it comes out to a big zero, and that every event under the, under the sun, or every event in life, basically comes up to zero from man's perspective. But God is using every event that's taken place for His purposes, for His reasons, and He's control of it. So as we go through this, we saw last week the providence of God, which is God is in control of everything. The second thing we see is that God has a purpose for everything. The providence of God is God is in control of everything. The purpose is that He has a reason for everything that happens. And the last thing that we looked at was the power of God, and that is that God can bring to pass what He's trying to accomplish. It changes the whole way that we look at everything and the control of God. And the hardest thing for some of us to buy into is that the Bible teaches that God can do anything He wants whenever He wants to do it, and He doesn't have to explain it to you or me. He do whatever He wants to do. That's what David said. Hey, our God is in the heavens and He does whatever He pleases. Whenever you're in doubt about something that's going on, what you need to come back to is that God does what He does for His purposes, for His reasons, and He doesn't have to explain it to you or I. And if we don't accept that or, or believe that, then we'll begin to question everything that happens. The easiest thing for me to do is to tell my daughter, you know what, God has a reason. He's in control of everything. He had a reason for why that took place. She goes, well, what do you think the reason was? I say, well, you know what, I'll tell you one reason that I do understand, one purpose for everything that takes place under the sun. Everything on the face of the earth, every event that takes place, I'll tell you why it takes place. You know, want, want to know why it takes place? Because God has a purpose for it. And here's what Joseph's conclusion was. In this, in the, uh, after he was sold into slavery by his brothers. You can't get around this. There's no way you can escape it. In Genesis 50, after Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, he said this to his brothers when they came to him and they were afraid for their life. Joseph said this, You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. What was the purpose? What was the reason? Why was I in the dungeon? Why did you sell me into slavery? Hey, you were wrong for what you did. But God used that for His purposes. And you know what the purpose was? In order to bring about this present result to preserve many, many lives. God used that incident in the life of Joseph to get him on the throne in Egypt so that God's wisdom could be displayed through him and that many lives would be saved during a time of difficult uh, drought and famine. That's what Joseph's conclusion was. 
I was talking to some people last week that came and said, wait, I don't understand that. Are you going to say that, that did God know that Joseph's brothers would sell him into slavery? Of course God knew that. Did God want that to take place? Did God desire for them to sin? No, God doesn't tempt anyone to do evil. God doesn't want anybody to sin to try to accomplish God's purposes. And that's one of the temptations that many of us have. Remember the story of uh, Abraham and uh, Sarah when God promised that they would have a son. Remember the story? Okay, remember what they did? They thought, well, we'll help God out. God had control over the situation and said, hey, within a year you will have a son. Sarah laughed and said, there's no way, I'm an old lady, I can't have any kids. He goes, well, you know what? God's in control of it. He had a purpose for why he did what he did. They didn't want to wait around to find out what the reason was and the purpose, so they said, okay, God made a promise. I'm going to go ahead and I'll fulfill it. And they messed up by doing that, and it caused them many problems. You know what else, though? God has the power to see it to come to pass. It's a great illustration of these three principles that the Bible teaches. So as we went through it, and my daughter was saying, well, why did this happen? Did, did God want evil to take place? No, God hates evil. God hates sin. But can God overcome evil with good? You better believe it. You know what Romans says? How are we to overcome evil? By doing good. God says that evil is a part of life because of sin in this world. It's going to take place. It's an event under the sun, as Solomon saw it, a cross-section of life. It's going to happen. But you know what? God can use anything, anything that happens to bring about good. The verse that we all like to quote, Romans 8.28 says, and we know this, that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to His purposes. I think a lot of times we miss that causes. Do you realize that? That God causes all things to work good. He's active. He's involved in what's going on. So as my daughter said, well, what about this thing that happened? You know, that's such a tough thing. That's a tragedy. I don't understand it, Dad. What could God's reason be? You know, Chris, the only thing I can tell you from what I understand of what, what the Bible teaches is that, number one, it didn't catch God off guard. There's an appointed time for everything. There's a time, appointed time to die. So he knew, and he appointed that time for her to die. Okay, I don't understand God's timing, but I know his purpose. You know what God says his purpose is? The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Every purpose and reason that I see in the word of God for why God does what he does is to draw people to himself. It's to catch people and to shake them where they're at and say, when are you going to start to get serious about the, the brevity of life? Every person that knows that girl, every friend that deals with this girl and this family, every person that's involved from the police officer that, that responded to the scene, to the, to the undertaker who's going to put her in the grave, every person along that line, God's saying to you, won't you pay attention to what's going on? Don't you see the brevity of life? And it catches us and it grabs us when it's a child because we think that this child had some long life to live. Let me tell you something. That girl lived as long as God appointed her to live. <laughs> and no less. No less. She wasn't going to live another 30 years. She wasn't going to live another 50 years. She wasn't going to be the president of the United States. She wasn't going to accomplish anything else. Do you know why? Because that was her appointed time to die. But why, Dad? Because God wants to use it to get people's attention, to draw people to His Son, so that they can see that there is nothing under the face of the, uh, of the Son, there is nothing on this earth that's worth living for until we get our life straight with the God who created us. God uses everything for those purposes. Do you believe that? <laughs> see, if you believe that and you understand that, it changes the way you look at those things. Because all of a sudden, you wait with anticipation and excitement. 
What's God going to do through this? What good is going to come out of it? I know that God's at work. I know that he's in control. I know that he has a reason. And I know he has the power to bring about what's about to come. And I'm excited and I'm waiting to see what happens. And God, help, and God I want to be a part of it. Whatever it is. Whatever is going on. But do we believe that? We say that we do. We shake our head. But yet we say things like, boy, you know what? She was such a young girl. She could have lived another 30 or 40. Based on what? Where'd you come up with that? God knew exactly how long she was going to live. He knew when she'd be born. She knew every, he knew every day that he had numbered for her life. And you know what? It's no different between you and me. So you know what? If God takes me home, I want you to just say something and understand it. Is that, you know what? He went when God wanted him to go. That's it. Are you ready to buy into that? Do you believe that? Can you make that same statement? Or you stand with a, with a tragic look on your face thinking that somehow that there was more good years left in this person that we're saying goodbye to. No more good years left in them. There's as many good years as God gave them, and that's it. Ain't no more. And see, that's what God, and that's what the power of God is all about. Job came to the conclusion, and, and uh, we need to look at this because Job came to this conclusion. I know that thou can do all things and that no purpose of thine can be thwarted. You know when he came to this conclusion? After God took away everything in his life. He took away his health. He took away his home. He took away his kids. He took away his business. He took away his property. He took everything away from him to test him, to show him where his heart was in relationship to God. He took it all away. And Job, like many of us, questioned all the things. Questioned the timing. Questioned the reasoning. Questioned why this was happening to me. Why is this going on in our family? Why are these things taking place right now? Why, 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 why? And we questioned the control of God. Where were you, God, when this happened? What, did you take a nap? We know God doesn't slumber or sleep. He's not like men. He was involved. Well, why did you let this happen? We question again his purpose. Why me? Why did this happen? Why did you let this happen? And then we question his, his power and his control by saying, okay, God, we test him. If you're really God, then do this for me. And we question every one of those areas and the principles that God's trying to get across to us. But the point is this. You know what Job's conclusion was? Hey, you know what I figured out about God? He can do anything he wants, whenever he wants to do it, and he doesn't have to explain it to me. Amen. That's his conclusion. Have you come to that conclusion in your life? Do you believe that God can do anything He wants, whenever He wants, and uh, He doesn't have to explain it to you? See, it changes the way that we think. So we have to acknowledge that everything happens for a reason, and those are the events that take place. We also have to look at, we must accept God's purpose and control over everything that happens. It says that God has appointed, if you, He's made everything appropriate in its time. And the word actually can be translated beautiful, and we have a song, in His time, in His time, He makes all things beautiful in His time. It's appropriate in His time. It's within God's timing. Everything that happens in your life and in my life happens within the appropriate time that God has designed it to happen. Do you believe that? See, if you believe that, you don't even ask any questions anymore. It's no longer, why is this happening to me? Or what good is going to come out of it? It's none of those things anymore because you realize that whatever happens in my life, God has a purpose and control over all of it. So I don't care what it is. And as you're looking at this thing and we get frustrated with all of it, we need to realize he's made everything appropriate in his time and he's set eternity in their hearts so that man will not find out the work which God had done from the beginning even to the end. The purpose is God puts within the heart of every person a curiosity about the future. We want to know where we're going. We want to know what happens to us when we die. And that's been placed there by the love of, uh, the love of God. 
Because you can't deal with today until you realize what's going to happen tomorrow. But if you realize what's going to happen tomorrow, it changes your perspective on everything that happens today. Do you believe that everything going on in your life is under the control of God? That there's a reason for all of it? But you know the funniest thing? Whenever something goes in the category what we call bad, we, either bl we begin to blame God. We blame God. As if God somehow is to blame for the things that go on, rather, these quote bad things, rather than to look at them as good things where God can demonstrate His faithfulness that we can continue to trust Him in everything. He's made everything appropriate in His time. The third, the third thing that we need to look at is that we must appreciate the time we have as a gift from God. If God is in control, if he knows all the days of our lives, which Psalm 139 says, he's, he knows every one of them, he wrote them down even before they were, as, as he formed our, our unformed substance in our mother's womb, God knew every day that was appointed for us to live. And that's obvious when he says it's appointed for man to die once and then comes judgment. So the day you were born, even though the doctor missed it by three days and, and you missed it by five days, uh, was appointed by God. So we can take some comfort in that. And the day that you die, even though none of us will be able to predict it, and it, it's so funny because you've got terminal cancer patients that doctors give six months to live and they live for ten years, and you've got somebody who's healthy as a horse and they're out playing basketball and they drop dead of a heart attack, and we're all caught off guard as if, oh, how could this happen? Well, hey, let me just tell you something. I feel a lot better about things going on in life knowing that God's got an appointed time for everything. And so I'm not caught off guard by anything. I'll just trust him. Maybe I don't know the reason, but I do believe what he says. So as you go through this, he says, I know that there, there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and do good in one's lifetime. Moreover, that every man who eats and drinks sees good in all his labor, that it's a gift of God. Do you follow that? If you got a handle on what's going to happen to you for eternity... You believe God and you trust Him for what He says is true, then you know what that'll do to the rest of your life? You can enjoy every day of your life as a gift from God, knowing that He gave you another day that He didn't appoint last night in your sleep the time to, to check out, but He's given you another day. Every day then becomes a joy to be able to wake up and praise God. Hey, thanks for another day. Rather than, oh man, another day, got to go to work, got to do this, got to do that, man, alive, another day. Look at the weather, it's so crummy again out here, you know, another 82 degrees, how can you do that? It's Christmas time, it should be snowing or something, you know, and it's always a reason to moan and groan about something rather than say, hey, I'm just glad to be part of the program one more day. Thank you. Can I ask you a question? Can you, can you, do you appreciate the time that God's given you? Do you believe that God's in control over everything? Here's the greatest thing going on in our life. And we'll kind of try to wrap all this up. I drive my wife crazy by the way I drive. No, get out. Amen. Amen, ladies. How many, other, how many other guys in here drive their wives crazy by the way they drive? Very good, very good. Well, this is great. This is a perfect solution to the problem. So we're driving the other night. No, let her drive. Great. And then she drives me crazy by the way she drives. Then I'd have to apply this myself, and it's always a lot easier to get somebody else to apply this biblical gem. But see, here's the problem, right? You take all this, and, and uh, so we're driving down the freeway, and you got a guy that's come, kind of coming over into our lane, and, and uh, so my wife kind of, you know, like you step on the brake and stuff from the passenger side, and this, this isn't one of those driver's ed cars that we're driving here. There's nothing over there that's going to help her out. So all of a sudden, she kind of goes, she kind of stomps once, and then it's an amazing aerobic workout that she got here. Her, her knee comes up over her head like this because the car was coming from this side. And I thought, you know what? Good news for you, Linda. Guess what? She, he, she goes, well, that guy didn't see us. Doesn't matter. Why not? 
Because if we're going to go, we're going to go. All right, no, wait. No, we laugh, but stop and think about this for a second. If we're going to die, we're going to die. Now, me waving to them, hey, we're over here. Come on, don't hit us. Please don't hit us. Oh, man, we, we got lucky again. See, see, it, it, that isn't going to change anything. Now, it doesn't mean you drive like an idiot, but even, let me just, let's, let's follow this through to its logical conclusion, okay? Well, stop and think with me. I mean, don't check your brains out at the door. Here we go. You ready for this? Even if you do drive like an idiot and you do end up getting killed in an accident for something that you did, do you think God didn't know you were going to drive like an idiot and that that was the point of time for you to die? Now, the joke is, well, gee, was if I'm in a bus or in an airplane and it's the pilot's time to go, I, you know, hey, I don't want to be in the plane. You know what I mean? Well, let's stop and think about this for a second, okay? If it's the pilot's time to go, it may be your appointed time to go, too. Now, if you survive the crash, you can say with all biblical knowledge that it wasn't my appointed time to die. If he doesn't or she doesn't, guess what? It's your time to go. Now, I know this, this sounds too simplistic, but I'm trying to drive home a point. God is in control of everything. If we're going to die because of the way I drive, God knows we're going to die because of the way I drive. Now, would it be better for me to at least try to comfort her in the way that I drive? Yeah, because I know that perfect love casts out all fear. So if there's something in my life... What? So if there's something in my life that's causing fear in the wife of my life, I have a responsibility before God to do what I can to eliminate it. But on the other hand, and the flip side of what I was trying to get across was, you know what? If it's our time to go, it's our time to go. God is in control. And it affects everything that goes on in our life. It affects whether we second guess, should we fly on this plane together? Should we fly on this plane together? Should we park here or should we drive here? Should we put our car over here or should we put it over here? Should we drive in this lane or should we drive in that lane? Should we wait until it stops snowing or shouldn't we wait until it stops snowing? I mean, everything we do, we're trying to second guess. Oh, if, should we send our children away on this trip or shouldn't we? I don't know. I don't feel good about it. Why don't you feel good about it? Because we haven't got to the point where we trust God that no matter what goes on in every one of our lives, that God is in control of it. And there's nothing that's going to happen that God doesn't know about, won't allow to happen for His reasons, for His purposes. And that is that through all of it, we can bring glory and praise to God by just letting people know, you know what? It's a tragedy, but God's trying to get your attention. Do you know why? Because He loves you. And He wants you to realize that this life is temporary that there's nothing in this life worth living for until you come to know the God who loves you, who created you, who sent His Son to die for you, which we celebrate at Christmas, until you can put your faith and trust and believe in Him. Other than that, God's doing all those things to catch your attention. And the fact remains is this. We must apply this fact to our own attitude toward God. I know that everything God does will remain forever. Let me just tell you something. What people do, we miss things, we don't do things, they break, they don't last, all that kind of stuff. But what God does lasts forever. God doesn't mess around. God does it right. God does it perfect. God's got a per perfect purpose and plan for everything that He does. And you know why? He says there's nothing to add to it. There's nothing to take away from it. And this whole reason is for God has so worked that men should fear Him. That we should be in awe of Him. When you stop and think about this, do you realize that God is in control of every event in your life? Man, I'll tell you what, that should make you want to praise Him. That should make you be in awe of Him and say, how in the world do you do this? How in the world do you keep this straight? If this plane crashes and all these people are there and newspapers around the world, they try to document oh, what these people did the last hours before they got on the tragic plane that blew up over here and landed over here and all these people died and they try to uh, give you a chronology of everything that went on, you know, and oh, and how fate led to all of it. 
and how this person missed this plane and they didn't get on it and oh, how fate and luck and all these things. But you know what? Let me tell you something. Let me save you a lot of time. There's no such thing as any of it. God's in control of all of it. And you know what it causes me to be in awe of? <laughs> that means if you're driving on the freeway and you're going to get an accident, that means that he's also in control of the other person that you're going to hit, knowing that they were going to be there and that you were going to hit each other and know who's going to live and who isn't going to live and who is all going to be involved and where you were all heading at the same time and going in the direction you were going and all the travel that's going on and all the flights that are taking place and all the holiday travel. God's in control of all of it. And if that doesn't make you want to go, oh, man. Lord, I want to worship you. I'm in awe of you. I can't even control my daytimer calendar for next week. <laughs> it almost makes you want to go, you know what? Based on all the evidence that I see in the Bible, I think I'll just start trusting Him, relax, and enjoy every day God's given me as a gift, and I just praise Him for it, and I love it. When we sing, come let us adore Him, do you realize who you're adoring? The most awesome God in the universe that has control over every one of our lives, who knows before we were born how many days He's going to give us, who has appointed for us the day that we're going to die. He knows every hair uh, on your top of your head, and in some cases that's a little easier than others. I see that, but God has it under control. He knows it all. But our problem is we don't even believe any of it. But you know what? And we can't get away from this. That one day we're going to answer to God for how we use the time that He gave us. We're going to talk about that next time we get together. One day, you're going to give an account for how you use the time that God has given you. How are you using the time? How are you using the time? Are you using it to help people see that every event that takes place is under the control of God and the purpose of God, that He loves people, that He wants them to know Him, that He wants them to trust in Jesus Christ? Do you use your time to help people to see that? Or do you stand there dumbfounded like the rest of the world who doesn't have an answer, scratching their head and saying, what a tragedy took place at the mall. I can't believe that God would allow such a thing to happen. She had at least another 50 years left in her life. God help us to see that God is in control of all of it. And He wants us to use every event that happens in our life to bring praise and glory to God because He's in control. He's done it for a reason and He also has the power to accomplish what He started. Let's pray. Father, we just thank You for the awesome God that You are. God, help us to see how incredible You must be to be able to control every circumstance. And we don't understand it and I'm not going to say that I do. But I do believe it because Your Word teaches it. And I can see the evidence of it in my own life. God, help me to see as we celebrate Christmas, the fullness of time, the right time, your time, your perfect timing, your perfect plan, your plan of redemption to draw people again to yourself through the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God, help us to see how every event that happens on this earth is designed by you to help people see that truth. God, help us to share that message with others, to use the events of their life to show the love of God in their situation. God, help us as believers to understand it and accept it and believe it, to stop questioning you, but as Job did, to repent. God, I'm sorry for questioning your timing. I'm sorry for questioning your purpose. And I'm sorry for questioning whether you have the, the power to accomplish what you set out to do. God, I repent from it. I ask you to forgive me. And I just praise you for the God that you are. God, help us to see the truth in that. Help it to change the way that we live our lives so that we become more pleasing to you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.